Hi everyone. Thanks for tuning in to the Bodice Muse podcast. Today we have a special treat. I'm talking with Kay Sims from VUX World. Kane shares his invaluable experience on conversational AI and particularly voice. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Botter's News Podcast. This podcast is all about staying ahead of the curve through the implementation of personalized one-on-one conversations with your audience. We focus on designing personas, the conversations they are having, and the technology that is enabling the dialogue. Here are your hosts, Hans and Jerome. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Bottas Muse podcast. Today, great interview. Kane Sims is joining us from VUX World. Uh, really inspiring podcast. I will put the link, of course, in the notes. So uh, we're going to talk about all about bots, conversation design, voice. Uh, he's very experienced. Kane, w- welcome to the podcast. Great that you're here. Thank you, Hans. Appreciate it. Yeah, very much we appreciate it. Yeah, we bumped into each other, or I bumped into you because of your podcast. Yes, <laughs> As I was good. So there you go. Yeah, a connect- really a connector excellent. of people. Yeah, yeah. Is, yeah, really yeah. cool. And the branding, I really like. You never forget your branding, guys. You're, yeah. All to the listeners. Um, I put the link to uh, to Kane in um, in the speaking notes, but you have to check out uh, the website. It's really cool. It's definitely. Yeah, it's uh, it, 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 you never forget that. That's that's cool. That's yeah. it. Well, it started out as a podcast, and the question I had when I very first um, kind of started it was, how do you make a podcast memorable? Because it's it's audio, and so no one really sees it. And so I kind of went with this sort of like loud and brash kind of brand. Everything's bright yellow. You can see a yellow yeah, yeah. neon sign behind me, yellow mic cover. Yeah. Everything's just kind of took on a world of its own with this yellow branding and the big heads and stuff like that. But yeah, helps to helps to kind of um, create something that's identifiable in a medium that isn't always uh, easy to see. Yeah, it's, it's marvelous. Yeah, it's marvelous. Hey, you're in the UK, right? I am. Yes, yes. It's- New location for me as of the last couple of months. So I'm now in North Yorkshire, okay. up north, where where my uh, where my homeland is. Not quite in my homeland, but uh, but close enough. And so, yeah, I'm just getting used to the North Yorkshire countryside and uh, the clouds that I haven't seen for uh, you know ten years while I've been living near London. Oh, you lived in London before? Oh, just just outside, just outside. Okay. Yeah. Oh, with the little one, you moved uh, to the countryside. I did, yeah, yeah. Closer to some childcare, which we found uh, comes in very handy when the nursery closes because of COVID last week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's imagine. good. Yeah, family seeing a lot more of him. You know, we get to spend more time with our family and also get some time to ourselves, which we didn't have for, you know, the last three years, which has right. been nice. Rush, rush. Yeah. Rush, rush. Hey, you started the VUX World. Uh, could you explain a little bit your background and how you rolled into conversational AI and, uh, and, uh, and uh, everything about voice and voice bots and NLP, yeah. what you talk about a lot on your podcast. So uh, yeah, yeah, a little definitely. bit of history. So so my if, if you go back far enough, I started when I was about 14, 15 making music. And that's essentially where uh, my sort of like love, if you like, of audio came from. Um, and so I, I made music and believe it or not, uh, fancied myself as a bit of a rapper, Hans. I don't know whether you're oh. aware of that, but uh, yeah, <laughs> no. yeah. Every now and then I'll do a little rap on my out of office or something like that. So, pay attention. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, so I did that for a little while until I was about 21 and realized that it's harder to make money in music than uh, than you might realize. Uh, right. We kind of started right when all of the sort of like MP3, Napster kind of thing. The whole yeah. industry was collapsing and we were trying to break into it. So it kind of like ill-timed is what I would say. Um, 
and then over time, you know, I, I kind of went back, to, I went to uni to study music, dropped out, went back to uni, studied marketing. And then I kind of went on a bit of a, a mission through this, I suppose, marketing world, really. I was at a couple of agencies working on various marketing campaigns from a digital point of view. I uh, got a background and was started working in user experience design. So marketing was all well and good, but I wanted to be closer to where the action was, like closer uh-huh. to the customer and impact the actual experience they had. And so I uh, started doing user experience design. I was freelance writing at the same time on the side as a bit of a side hustle. Uh, I always had a love of words. Uh, and um, yeah, then I ended up working in government as a consultant helping with digital transformation initiatives and so going back towards the strategy side trying to help organizations figure out how do they create user-centric services across all digital channels you know what's good on the front end for the customer is only good on the front end if it's actually plumbed into the architecture in the back end to be able to actually deliver something useful right and then i ended up managing and leading uh, the digital transformation program at tunbridge wells and you know managed the team there and uh, then i think i found Alexa around about 2017 <laughs> something like that all right and uh it was really weird because I, I, the first time I used it and stuff I was like this is this is crazy because it's playing into everything that I've done and everything that I've always done it's it's audio so there's the music kind of element in there the audio oh yeah 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 that's definitely a link yeah yeah, yeah you've got you've got um write in dialogue so whatever comes back from the machine needs to be well spoken needs to be well crafted well written and the first time i used it i was like wouldn't it be fantastic if you could actually build stuff for this mm-hmm. i didn't even realize you could i didn't know what skills were i didn't know that you could actually create it i was thinking what would even what would even that be there's there's a user experience side to it but then there's a service design element because it needs to be kind of like working end to end there's a you know a writing angle an audio what the hell would that even be and i kind of come up with this vux off the top of my head and, and did a bit of searching couldn't find it anything registered the, the domain name in about june 2017 mm-hmm. um and if i look back actually there's one mention of the term vux on twitter from prior to 2017 uh-huh. so it's definitely not a term that, w- that was coined here right. uh but uh but yeah I registered that in 2017 i thought what better way to learn about this stuff than to create a podcast an audio medium for an audio medium, try and find people who are working in this space, uh, interview them about how they do what they do and, and figure out if anyone else wants to pay attention. And that's kind of where it all started really. But at the time in, in June, 2017, I couldn't actually find anybody <laughs> to speak to. I couldn't oh, find yeah, anyone who was even working yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. I didn't actually start recording the podcast until uh, November, 2017. Uh-huh. launched it in February 2018 and then from there it kind of just snowballed so it was well timed from that perspective because there was nothing else like it certainly in in Europe there was no podcast of that description right uh there was two in the US that were just getting started this week in voice and voicebot and uh yeah well, it kind of just went from there so i ended up getting you know being um i suppose one of the people who was trying to make noise about this stuff voice mm-hmm. assistants particularly in 2018 started getting invited to do a lot of talks started getting invited to run workshops and stuff like that started dabbling and building skills and designing skills myself started working with a bunch of agencies in in uh the uk helping them mobilize teams to be able to deliver this kind of stuff right and then it kind of just went from then and you know for the last kind of two years three years uh it's been a, a consultancy that works with enterprise companies on conversational ai strategy um, how to use natural language processing technologies for user and business benefit, how to kind of implement that, what a roadmap should look like, what your internal resources need to look like, uh, and how you should actually do it. 
Uh, and then more recently, over the last uh, six months or so, I've been working with technology companies as well, helping them with go-to-market strategies so figuring out how they position themselves in this kind of crowded, saturated marketplace, yeah. uh, as well as utilizing our channels and our reach for, for channel marketing services and stuff like that. So, cool. yeah, it's been a bit of a mad ride. You, you mentioned just now conversational AI strategy or roadmap, right? Mm. So, so could you share just just an interesting use case? Uh, you don't have to name any names because that's sometimes kind of dangerous. But some interesting use cases for the listeners on on voice, right? We did a, personally, we did a lot of with text and and, uh, and also mm-hmm. interview chatbot platforms, less with voice. That's why I'm really really great. It's really great that you're here. But could you share a little bit besides the Alexa that we know, but some use cases in businesses on, on, on how you would then have a roadmap and, and what kind of use cases you're then looking at would be in, in inspiring or intriguing to, to look at for people? Yeah, so really, if you look at most organizations, aside from the, the like, if you're lucky enough to have enough budget to experiment with things like Alexa and Google Assistant, then that's all well and good. But the thing about Alexa and Google Assistant is that you, you uh, forego a hell of a lot of control over the whole thing. You know, you don't touch the speech recognition. You have limited influence over the natural language understanding. You basically just build a flow chart and, you know, that's pretty much where you are. On the enterprise side, the, the use cases that, that we're kind of looking at is mostly in the contact center. Okay. Where, yeah, where voice is where yeah. voice is prevalent, and most organisations, you know, people say that kind of like uh, the contact centre historically has been where uh, it takes the flack of the business. Basically, mm-hmm. people complain, people have got something to moan about. They call a contact yeah. centre. Yeah. Whereas, and so so for a long time, it was a cost centre. It was something that cost the business money, and other parts of the business fail. You know, like I don't know, the policy team fails, or the I don't know the what it would you know different business units have a failure somewhere, and a customer right. calls the contact center to complain about it. So the contact center was a place that was a cost center, and it just used to take the shit from the rest of the organization, basically. Whereas recently, because everybody is more concerned with customer experience, and everybody's having their yeah. expectations shaped by Amazon and Google and Facebook and all of these native digital channels people's expectations are just through the roof as far as engaging with a business on any channel. And so when it comes to the contact center, there's so much activity over there because it's ripe for innovation. You've got long wait time. So people sitting on hold, which everybody hates. Your call is is important to us, you know, please hold your 54th in line. Um, So you've got a terrible customer experience. You've got legacy technology in place where if someone does have something implemented in there, it tends to not work very well. So tell me in, in your own words, what you're calling about card free, freeze my card. I'm sorry. I didn't understand that. Freeze my card. It's just an absolute nightmare. And so there's the use cases all in the contact center all around, uh, routing, so routing people to the right place. Ah, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You tell them first for like, Hey, this is what I'm calling about. Yeah. I'm, I'm calling because somebody has, taken money from my account or I'm on holiday and I've lost my credit card or whatever it is that you're calling about. And the, essentially the AI maps that to an intent, that intent corresponds to a business area or a phone number and then the calls transferred there. And the benefit to those is because a lot of organizations actually have switchboards, which is just people lined up ready to take calls simply just to yeah. point 
customers in a different direction. So there's a whole bunch of resources wasted there uh, and a bunch of people who, who are, you know, don't have a necessarily an interesting job. And the contract, the contact center in general is a difficult place to recruit. You know, people are leaving yeah. the jobs because they're actually quite stressful. They're not entry level jobs anymore. You need to use multiple systems. You need to be able to think on your feet. You need to have patience and empathy. You need to be technically astute. You need to be able to, you know, do all multitask, manage your own time now that you're working from home, be autonomous and trustworthy. They're not entry level jobs anymore. And so, People are leaving those jobs because they're quite stressful and the call centers can't recruit into those positions because of the same reason. And so anything that can be used AI wise that helps those people and, and contact center managers manage contact and excel customer experience is a huge benefit. So routing is one, shepherding calls to the right place. Uh, aside from that, you've then got the level down, which is actually automating the conversations themselves. There's yeah. no reason why when you call your uh, bank or when you call your airline or whoever you need to call for a load of use cases, there's no, there's no need for you to actually speak to somebody. You know, <laughs> lots of people speak to agents and they just talk about the same stuff. Very simple things that can be resolved quite easily with a few API calls and a sensibly designed conversation. Uh, and so automating the conversations themselves is, is, a, is a prominent use case there as well. Right. You've got to, other to really things. Fix things, right, for, for the consumer. Yeah, right. yeah, self-service, 24-7. Bots don't get tired. They never sleep. They can work around the clock, you know. Um, and, yeah, so, so self-service is definitely one. Uh, there's all kinds of things around sentiment analysis and, and call analytics and stuff like that. If you don't touch the kind of automation side of things, you can still extract a lot of insights from the calls. Ah, yeah, 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 from the current the current phone calls and stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. Like how long did an agent spend talking about payments? How long did a customer spend complaining about XYZ? What emerging issues are cropping up that the business doesn't know about? You know, oh yeah, the trend of many people call for this. Then yeah, there would be some 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 NLP or is that NLP? Then analyzing yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. The, 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 the 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 you do then voice to text right and then yeah and then uh, go, let it okay yeah yeah, yeah. And you analyze yeah. the trends on what people talk about and oh yeah, yeah. What, what are people yeah. calling about so there's a really good case study from Comwave uh, which is a telco in Canada who implemented a bot to raise support tickets and the bot was actually informing the business about outages internet outages in parts of the country before the business even realized it yeah. so you know there's this yeah. tremendous That's value cool. there yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so predictive stuff right where is this yeah. going yeah you yeah, will yeah. definitely get more calls coming in the upcoming week right because this is the trend yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, and, yeah. and how would you do that yeah I'm more of a tech guy, but then you would put voice to text. You analyze then the text, and then you 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 will look at the the, the text there and look at the, the trends, right, in wording and stuff. Or for for, for that particular use case, you you essentially yeah you you're, you're mapping an intent and you're extracting a bunch of slots and entities. So so you would have uh, I don't know reporting an outage might be an intent, but then there might be a bunch of entities underneath that, which is well what's the location, you know when did it start and all that kind of stuff. And so if you're able to aggregate those essentially you'll be able to spot trends and say, well, actually, you know, Washington or, or Seattle right, or, or whatever yeah. town or location is actually having a huge spike in people calling about an outage in that area. Ah, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. When people call, oh, uh, yeah, okay. And then you not immediately know where they're calling from, but then, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah like yeah, that, yeah. yeah. So, so that can be the done. phone number and, and all that sort of stuff yeah, and then map exactly, it yeah. and look at the problem. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. Hey, you well, you the, mentioned the, you also create like roadmaps, right, and, and, and plans. Yeah. Uh, with customers you also have these workshops like in five days that you that i looked on your website that, that yeah. you so so could you explain a little bit there on on where what you help are, are those then clients 
that already started um, with uh, voice uh, voice uh, conversational AI or voice bots or, or people that start new. Um, that's a little yeah. bit most of most of what that is aimed at is is those that are getting started. Although okay. as you start to mature and start to progress, uh, it's still useful for that. Basically, you've got different levels of maturity. So. We, we view organizational maturity in, in a number of different ways. So you've got the, the embryonic stage, which is uh, we're just thinking about it. We sense there's an opportunity here. We don't really know what we're doing, but we think there's something here. So mm-hmm. that's the embryonic stage. Then we've got kind of like um, almost like this newborn phase where you have, you've kind of got a POC, you've played with it, you, you know, kind of like you've built something, but it might not be live yet. And then you've got the crawl phase, which is, you know, we, we've got something live. It's our first attempt you know, it might be a chatbot, could be a voice bot, whatever it might be. Uh, and we're just trying to learn. We're trying to kind of like improve it and stuff like that. And then you can get through the maturity cycle to a walk stage where you might have more advanced use cases, more self-service use cases, probably integrating with your line of business systems, starting to think about how you mobilize a center of excellence and how you scale this across other channels and other use cases. And then the run phase, which is where you're doing that center of excellence, managing multiple channels, uh, multiple different types of use cases. And then the, the, the latter phase is what I would like to call relay, which is where you're passing the baton on to other areas of the organization. You're devolving it and democratizing access to bot creation and management to other areas of the organization. Not many businesses are in that latter phase. The businesses that are in that kind of run phase where they're pretty competent, the technology is sorted, they're, they're quite competent themselves. The sprint philosophy doesn't work so much for them unless they've got a very particular problem they're trying to work through it's more for the stages before that which is you're thinking about it but you don't know where to start Mm-hmm. you've got a POC, but you want to take it to production or you want to try and pivot a little bit away from what you've tried because it didn't work. Mm-hmm. Or perhaps you're live in one channel with one use case and you want to try and explore additional use cases or additional channels or something like that. That's kind of the idea. And the the, the format essentially is pretty straightforward. It, it runs on a similar framework to the design sprint methodology. If anyone's familiar with Jake Knapp and the Google right, sprint right, right. Yep. framework. Yeah. Um, essentially, the framework is there high, at a high level, but everything that we do on every single day is completely changed to, to reflect the nature of what we're doing. And so day one is basically spent on, on the strategy and the business case. You know, what are your use cases? What should be the priority use case? What channels are a priority for you? How complex is, is the conversations that you're trying to have? How much value is there to be found within these conversations? And what we try and do at the end of that day is build a business case, essentially. So if you were to do, you know, let's start with this use case, and this channel, if you were to do that within the first six months, here's a likely return on investment plus additional benefits that you might that right. you might look to get. And we kind of profile that into a bit of a roadmap um, and we kind of produce a business case. Day two is essentially spent trying to make sure that we can design conversations well enough to meet the business case itself. There's no point in saying, well, we think we can automate 60% of contact that you have in your call center if we can't design conversations that convert people through to an end result it's it's pointless and so the next phase is to design a conversation to prove that we can design a conversation within a given use case uh that is successful enough to meet meet the business case and so the the day two is is the personality design conversation scoping and uh high level kind of like design then we build a prototype on wednesday and we test that with customers on thursday and then friday we roll all that together into a plan for the next Ah, cool yeah 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 you're going live in the the five days cool Cool. yeah yeah, yeah. you talk about personality design uh, any tips there just 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 some brief ones saying hey make sure you do this and you don't do that yeah so with personality design the the thing that 
people will often do, and if you look even at Google's methodology with uh, with personality design, what Google will do, and if you look at some of their history and in terms of where the personality comes from, they will define a whole backstory for this for this bot. And they will say that, you know, her name's Judy or his name's Jim. And, you know, they come from Connecticut and the father's a lawyer and the mom's a nurse. And they studied at this college and studied medicine, but they dropped out because they're a little bit of a rebel. And it's like all of that level of detail is a bit superfluous, really, for what what most organizations need. There's a book called Conversations with Things by uh, Diana Diebel and Rebecca Evanhoe. And both of those people are, you know, immensely experienced in the world of conversation design. I think they've both got a decade of experience each, which, you know, in this space, I think five years is quite a lot of experience. (laughs) Yeah. And so, and so, what I use now is their framework, essentially, which was put together by doing uh, polling a bunch of conversation designers. I think they, they polled something like 70 conversation designers, worked out what each conversation designer does to create personality and distilled that down into a framework, which which I've used and we've used multiple different times. And it, it works really, really well. Um because what it essentially does is it focuses the crafting of the com- of the personality around the goals of the user. Mm-hmm. And essentially that's all that really matters is getting someone to an end result. And it also, rather than worry about, is this person called Jim and do they, you know, do they, are they interested in music? It's like, it strips away from all, all of that stuff and gets to the heart of what's important. So how would Jim act in a play, in a, in a situation where he's being corrected or mm-hmm. how would Jim correct the user? What level of empathy is required in this conversation? Who owns the balance of power in this relationship? And therefore how do we treat that power and how do we treat the user uh, according to that? What kind of traits does this person have? What kind of tone do they have? Is it fairly cold and standoff? Is it quite mm-hmm. warm? Is it neutral? You know, what level of personification should it have? Should it be super humanistic and called Jim yeah, yeah, or should yeah. it be like more robotic? More robot-like. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 And so, yeah, there's, there's a really good framework there. I'd recommend anyone check out the conversation with things book, but what I would say on personality is that, regardless of what you decide to use, if you create a persona with a backstory and all that kind of stuff, fine. Or if you use a framework a little bit more like the conversation with things framework, do it is the main piece of advice that I have, because there's a really good book called, um, it's called, what's it called? I can't remember what it's called now. Uh, wired for speech. That's it. Wired for speech. Okay. And in there, essentially, uh, it's it's I can't remember the name of the author now. I'll tell you in a minute. Scott Brave, I think it is, uh, talks about um, how whenever anyone hears a voice, regardless of what you're trying to do consciously, subconsciously, you'll make a bunch of decisions about the voice that you're mm-hmm. listening to, without even realizing it. You'll be able to tell the gender more or less accurately. You'll be able to tell broadly speaking geographic location or heritage you can make assumptions and people do make assumptions rightly or wrongly about you know education status class status whether i'd trust this person or not um and so there's so much data involved in a voice that if you don't consciously design for that when you're creating a voice bot or a voice assistant you leave it open to to massive interpretation it's a bit like Mm -hmm. a brand that creates a brand The, the idea of creating a brand is that you have brand values and a brand image and a personality and all that kind of stuff and you're trying to convey a, a view to the user you're trying to create a picture in the in the mind of the user about what this brand is and what it stands for mm-hmm. and if you do that successfully enough you're going to have consistency and it's exactly the same thing with personality design if you create a consistent persona uh, or personality 
It means that everyone who's working on the project, if it's one or five people, doesn't really matter. They're all conforming to a set standard. Right. And what you're doing is, is you stand a better chance of creating a consistent customer experience. Great, great. Hey, uh, consistent customer experience is not only the personality I have learned so far, but is also, of course, conversation design, right? So people think that that's easy and they think I'm a UX designer, I can go into conversation design. What you already mentioned, when you have five years under your belt as conversation designer, damn, you have a lot of experience. So I think they are a rare breed still, and they, mm. I, I predict that there will be a lot people that move into the area because they're definitely needed right otherwise we will we have very bad bots any any tips besides what you just mentioned about the persona and the framework thanks for sharing i'll put the book in the show notes with a link but mm-hmm. but a person a personality design that's that then then more of the conversation design those tips and tricks the do's and don'ts that you could share a little bit yeah um in voice I'm, then right because that's something yeah. bloody different than <laughs> yeah. sexual <laughs> yeah yeah it is it is so so a lot of people when they start they they often start with chat and they'll start with um quite kind of i would say fixed uh fixed conversations as in there's not much room or scope to move beyond the guardrails that have been yeah very linear right the choices yeah. and stuff that's yeah. easy right yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. we always advise start with that if it's at all possible yeah and then go non-linear that at least you have some entities or uh, uh, skills as uh, in voice uh, that that are triggered but uh, yeah indeed the non-linear mm-hmm. stuff is, is kind of more difficult and that's voice yeah. always right <laughs> yeah exactly and that, that and that's the thing is that most people most of the time start from a point of view of let's map the the kind of design let's let's start from hello and then let's say okay what what branches come off hello what can the user say at hello and 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 they start to try and define how the conversation should go which in part is okay when you get to a certain point like if you're trying to book a, a a restaurant table for example there's certain things that the that the system needs from a user and so if you want to structure that conversation in a certain way that gives it the best chance of capturing the data that's fine but you arrive at that place rather than starting out from the point of view of okay the beginning is here and so i'm going to give people three options and the three options is going to be a b c or d or a b or c and then when they select a i'm going to give them another few options what that does is it basically it's a it's more of a um out uh, inside out view of conversation design inside as in me the conversation designer in my brain inside my brain and I've got this right. idea and I'm going to document this idea and I'm going to put it out there and I'm going to force people to conform to it with voice what you'll quickly learn is that there is there is no guardrails whatsoever even no, even they if they can scream even, anything right <laughs> yeah yeah and it, yeah. even if you say um and, and actually in a voice environment it's actually it's I would say sometimes it, there's a place for it, but often it can be quite a negative experience when if you use Alexa or something like that and you get options, you know, for, for customer service, say customer service for sales, say sales. Yeah. It's like, first of all, don't tell me how to speak. I know how to speak. So yeah, you don't need to tell me that. And secondly, it's taken too long for you to read off the options. Like if I say, uh, if you say for customer service, say customer service, and then you start telling me for sales, say sales. But if I want customer service and say customer service before you've had a chance to tell me sales, are you going to allow that? Are you going to let me barge in or you're not going to? Yeah, 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 yeah. And so with voice design, it's definitely, uh, it's a little bit, it's not wild west because there's definitely kind of like things that you can do to to try and contain the conversation a bit, but it is definitely guardrails down. And I would actually argue that, when you approach conversation design, if you can do the voice bit well, 
everything is reverse engineered simply into chat. So I, I often advise people to start with a voice conversation. Because if you can start out with a voice conversation, you can get that conversation working really well. Putting that into a chat interface is child's play yeah. compared yeah, to yeah, yeah, taking yeah. a, a linear tree-based structure yeah. which you've committed to and turning that into a voice interaction, you end up, it just ends up being a really bad experience. So I would yeah, say Yeah, because, that, yeah, it, it, it's, it's also with voice, you can you can say, like, everything, and then the voice, of course, detects if if, if it has everything to, to make an appointment or to have the pizza, and then, of mm. course, it will ask more. If, if you have that, then, uh, yeah, that's pretty darn, yeah, then you have all the options that you need to know to then put that in a linear chatbot, that's easy, right? You say, hey, what yeah. cross do you want? What topping? How many people? Yeah. What time? Uh, yeah, you yeah. basically mark it all down. Yeah, yeah. yeah cool. You also get the opportunity to learn at what point in the conversation do people throw like a curveball? So, you know, if you're saying what topping, as you mentioned there, what if someone says, oh, I don't know, what toppings have you got? You know, like cause in an actual conversation, if you say, what what toppings do you want? I might, I, I might follow that up with a question. I might say, you might say, what toppings do you want? And I say, I don't know, have you got jalapenos? Oh, yeah, I've got jalapenos. Okay, well, I'll have jalapenos then. And so there's a whole bunch of, it's not even course correction. It's not error recovery or anything like that. It's just part of a natural conversation, which is a prompt, which is a question. Sometimes it's followed up with a clarification question, which is answered, which is then potentially sometimes followed up with another clarification which is answered and then the original question is answered after that and then you can move on and so there's a whole bunch of complexities that come with it but if you can get those complexities down then as i said chat is is easy once you've done that yeah we also always say even with chat but also with voice put your back against each other one person plays the person that requests what kind of pizza do you want or in mm. the use case that you're doing and the other person is just answering the questions like it is a real conversation and then you will definitely see what the holes are and what people are talking yeah. about. When yeah. you do that with different people, it definitely works because everybody says something different. Yeah. yeah, uh, you can do in, that, yeah. A different order and, uh, and with different words. So uh, yeah, you can also see with your skills and your entities, if that's, that fits. Yeah. yeah. Great, great, great insights. Hey, the most funniest use case that you have seen or that you bump into, you don't have to imp have implemented it, but yeah. Um, Funnily enough, uh, I found one last week. I've just published it in, in so I do a LinkedIn newsletter every week, which kind of breaks down all of the, all of the interesting things happening in, in the kind of conversational AI and NLP space. And the thing I found uh, this week, which I thought was quite funny in a, in a cringeworthy way, is that Microsoft are launching the ability, what it's, it's called voice typing Mm -hmm. is what it's called right now if i said to you microsoft's launching voice typing what would you think that would mean i think they're very late because i do that already many years <laughs> yeah so so you just talk and it transcribes right. what you yeah yeah, exactly. yeah yeah that's what i think first think about yeah, exactly yeah. that's exactly what everybody would think when you say voice typing but it turns out it's not that what it is is the ability for you to basically, I don't know how you enable it or invoke it, but you ask Microsoft on Windows 11 to enable voice typing. Then what it does is it overlays a keyboard on your screen uh -huh. and every key on that keyboard has a number. Oh. And you have to say that number to type the letter that's on the key. Right? So yeah. think of it this way. If I've got a keyboard open here, which, which listeners yeah. of the podcast can't see, right. but if yeah. I want to yeah. type uh, high hands, mm -hmm. I would have to say number 43, number 47, number 82, number 29, number 30, number 1, number 6, and number 7. <laughs> That's how I would have to verbally communicate, type in each individual letter on a keyboard, rather than just dictate high hands. 
So it is that I don't know if there's an accessibility angle here, but but I'm, I'll be assuming if you're if you're capability if you've got speech capabilities that enable you to say 24, 26, and cognitive abilities to be able to look at a keyboard and find the letters, right. surely you can actually just speak and just right. dictate. Right. Sure, so sure, it's sure. the most peculiar use case I have ever seen, right. and it was literally last week. It's really weird. I really think like what, what, what I just told you is I drove a lot of my car. So I had Google train also a lot with my words and stuff when I mm. wanted to type things and send emails and stuff. So I think that, yeah, it works very well. Just talking English, right? Even in Dutch, it, it goes very well. So, yeah. so yeah, we should have a look at the use case on why we, why you have to shout out numbers and stuff. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but very interesting one. Yeah, yeah. Don't don't implement that at home, I would think. But no. yeah, perhaps there are use cases that we have not thought about that they uh, that they done this. But uh, yeah. Hey, uh, um, uh, last uh, question and and great insights. Ultimate first step uh, uh, when people would 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 start with bots or and in more particular because that's why I find it very interesting the voice bots, right? Mm. So so what would be the ultimate? Uh, the ultimate uh, first step that you would think like, well, start with this, right? That they leave the podcast and think like, okay, this is what I can start with. Mm. It depends on the kind of person. I mean, if it's a developer who's wanting to learn how to build and create, I would say roll your sleeves up, create a Microsoft Azure account or Google account or whatever, right. get yourself involved Start in playing. the framework yeah. and, and yeah, CX and, and just, just just play with it. Uh, as a designer... From a business perspective then, as, as Jerome okay. and I with bottom rotation are more from a, yeah. a more of a business angle, but yeah. Right. I'll, I'll, so so I'll, I'll, I'll finish that train of thought, which is if you're on about in the design, if you're interested in the design, I would check out a tool like VoiceFlow or something like that and it'll give uh-huh. you an open dialogue and it'll give you a good understanding about how a design comes Oh, cool. VoiceFlow from, from, and dialogue, I will put those links in as well yeah from, from the business perspective the, the the big part that people fall down with is that they don't get the their the starting point right now with with this technology you can start very quickly if you want to mm-hmm. i mentioned a couple of providers there you know microsoft google amazon ibm there's a whole bunch of capability raza there's a whole bunch of capabilities out there that will let you start getting started very quickly right and so the first thing that most organizations do is they think they need a, some kind of conversational capability and they'll, they will enact this huge procurement exercise to go away and, you know, find a, a product to use before they've even learned how to use it. Mm-hmm. And so, so num- number one, I would say, don't be afraid of, of, of doing something quickly. You might think you're not ready, but you will find out how ready you are when you start rolling sleeves up. Right. The second thing is that you need to start with the right use case and the right channel based on your level of maturity. If you've never done it before, if you've never touched a, a chatbot before, uh, you want to be starting out with something that's going to be fairly simplistic. Don't try and be, do like a bunch of multi-turn complex conversations with a whole load of system integrations because you're going to tie yourself up in knots. You want to start with a, a fairly simple use case. Chat's probably a good option because you can start with some guardrails and stuff like that. You don't have to do fully complex kind of conversations. Uh, another decision that you need to make is whether you want to do it yourself or whether you want to kind of bring in some outside help. Mm-hmm. And you can bring in outside help like VUX World, which is basically an enabler. We don't necessarily do anything in terms of practically implement, but we'll help you with the strategy, help you with the roadmap, help you identify technology, help you identify implementers uh, and that kind of stuff. Or partner with an actual implementer if you can't do it yourself partner with someone who's got the capabilities to be able to actually build and deploy and implement and manage stuff with you 
Um, so I think that's the, that's the, the main things. What, one is figure out what the right approach is for you. Do you do it yourself? Do you outsource it? Uh, two, figure out what your strategy is. What use cases do you want to start with? What uh, channels do you want to start with? Start trying to find some low-hanging fruit. And it's all about, a, it's a journey. You know, it's not a case of the first thing you do, you're going to find like monetary ROI. It's not about necessarily monetary ROI in the early days. It's about learning and developing your maturity with a technology that is inevitably going to play an increasing role in, in your business without a shadow of a doubt. And so it's more of a journey than it is a quick fire solution, I would say. Um, and so, yeah, that, that's, that's pretty much it. That's, that's all I'd say. Figure out what your, what your best approach is. Figure out what your priority use cases are and take one step at a time. Cool, cool. Marvelous. Hey, Kane, thanks. Thanks so much. We're uh, important. Uh, what uh, links should I put in the show notes where people can find you? Uh, so vux.world is uh, where it's all happening. So yeah. we publish all the podcasts are on there. You can subscribe to the email newsletter where we invite you to all the upcoming shows. We publish all the shows on there. We publish uh, articles and industry analysis and stuff like that, best practice and that. So that's a good place to go. Uh, join me on LinkedIn. I'm really active on LinkedIn. Just search my name, K-A-N-E-S-I-M-M-S or VUX World on LinkedIn. <clears throat> I do a, a newsletter, as I mentioned, every week. All the podcasts are broadcast live on LinkedIn. I do a vlog almost every day while I'm walking the dog out and about musing yeah, and so giving enough. you insights on yeah. <laughs> on the conversational AI and NLP space and, and how to how to do this stuff well. So yeah, those are the two things I would say, really. VUX.world. Yeah, and besides voice, uh, I also saw that uh, you're also posting a lot, which I find also very interesting from a business perspective. Also the investors and the VC backing in in the industry, which is which is kind of cool. Mm. At least that saves me a ton of time because I'm also interested in that in checking that. So yeah, yeah for people that yeah. also want to check that, it's really cool. It's more on Europe, on Europe, right? No, no, it's the whole the whole world, really. Oh, I mean, okay. yeah. really, the way I see VUX world is, is is a front door to the entire NLP landscape. So that's you know within that within that content, there's there's funding, there's partnerships, there's use cases, there's best practice, right. there's general news. Uh, there's all a whole kind of stuff, you know, across the whole the whole industry. Some of it's practical. Here's what you should do if you're in this situation. Some of it's topical, like look who's just invested in who, or look who's just partnered with who, and look who's just signed what deal. So right. there's a whole yeah, whole whole bunch of insights and 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 stuff going on there. Yeah, so yeah, cool. do join yeah. me on LinkedIn. Well, marvelous. Hey, King, thanks so much for being here. Uh, great insights. Know more about voice and how to approach this stuff. So uh, thanks a lot. No worries. Appreciate it, Hans. Thanks for having me. Cheers.